Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 27 of Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. This is Peter Jones. Good evening to you, sir. No, good morning to you, sir. <laughs> good, it, good morning, Dale. How are you? <laughs> it's after midnight in England, and Peter, thank you for being so gracious and putting up with my shit. I can confirm that it's pitch black outside. It is here too, and it's only 6.15 p.m. So, and it's oh, after midnight. It's not New Year's, but you're up past midnight once again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to stay up once in a while. Your wife lets you stay up? <laughs> it's cool. So it's good to see you again. I, uh, let me, I haven't thanked the sponsors in a while, so let me do that. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. He's the guy who did our custom shoes for the Packer raffle. Thank you for all the people who donated money and bought online raffle tickets for that. We end up with, I think, $190 for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, so that's awesome. Shout out to Justin from Heartland, Wisconsin, who was the winner of those shoes. Uh, they were size 10, so I hope they fit them, because I said they were size 10 and a half the whole time when I... <laughs> I'm fired from this job. Thanks to Andy from thirdeyegraphics.net for doing our uh, average cheese graphics. I need to have some average cheese stuff up. Yeah. Finding the office here. Yes. I will send you some stuff. You need some of your address. You said you were going to do that like eight weeks ago and you still haven't done it. Well, I'm, forget I'm forgetful. I just have all this Packers stuff in my head and there's no room for anything else to go in there. Same here. So I just want to tell everybody that I fucking hate snow. Oh, where's my snare jar? Uh I spent the last eight hours of my life snow blowing snow. Lived in Wisconsin almost my entire life, and I'm sick of it. This is the first snow of the season, so I really shouldn't be sick of it yet. But I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to snow blow anymore. I'm done already. Peter, I got one more thing. I'm just all over the place today. I'm sorry. I saw on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the Twitter thing of the guy flamethrowing his driveway to clear the snow off? No. I'm getting one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to flamethrow the whole driveway. It was so awesome. He's just out there with his huge flamethrower, like melting the snow, and everybody else is like, got their shovels and that, their snowblowers. That just sounds like an accident waiting to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. And I am like a walking OSHA hazard when I work. <laughs> Anyone that knows me knows that if I buy a flamethrower, someone's fucking house is getting burned down to the ground. And I'm sorry before I do it. I don't mean it. It's just that I'm clumsy sometimes. Let's talk about the Packers. Yeah, and I guess before we get on to Sunday's game just gone, the big news today is the Packers have claimed Snacks Harrison off waivers. It's about time. Is, yeah, well, it's an interesting move. It's one of those that, you know, lots of Packers fans, analysts, critics, Twitterati have all been calling for, for it to happen, and it's finally happened today. Obviously, he chose Seattle over Green Bay a few weeks ago, so the only concern we might have is that he might not report, but 
I kind of expect he will. You know, if nothing else, it gives them a big body in the middle there to spell Kenny Clark a bit and spell some of those other guys. What we can't expect is for him to be the Snacks Harrison of four or five years ago, because if he was, three teams wouldn't have moved him on. But at this stage of the season, with guys beat up, with guys carrying the odd injury here and there, very useful addition to the team, I think. If he reports... I think you put him on the 53-man roster. Yeah. That's what he wants, right? That's why he left Seattle. He was like, I'm not a practice squad guy. They brought him up, and then they're like, mm, time for you to go. So they probably didn't see what they needed. I think that they are, in Seattle, happy with the way their defense has played lately, and I get that. They have played well. I watched them yeah. play last week, and I thought, huh. A little bit of pressure on the quarterback, which is unusual for them. Carlos Dunlap looks like he's a player and looks like he's changed the way they play defense. They still aren't great on defense. Whatever they saw, whatever they didn't see, we still have our <laughs> our guy, Lancaster Lowry, playing <laughs> defensive end for yeah. the Green Bay Packers. So wherever he can get snaps on that interior line, even if it's only, and we said this a billion times in 27 episodes, just play a couple plays. Let Kenny Clark rest. Yep. And honestly... If he doesn't clear the pro ball, I am fucking stumbling today over my words. If he does not clear the COVID protocol before the Bears game, I don't care. Bring him out for the playoffs. Put him on the roster for the playoffs, and that's that. There's nothing to lose, is there? But, you know, bring him on the 53. Even if he's the 53rd guy on the on the 53, it gives you an extra body. And with those defensive linemen, you can't have enough of those guys. You really can't because. You know, those guys are taking a physical beating, play in, play out. And the ability to switch those guys out, switch another guy in, like you say, for a couple of plays here or a series there, 10 or 15 plays across the whole game, that's exactly what you want out of those guys. And with his you know, long-time reputation as being a run stuffer, despite the fact the Packers have played a lot better on defense in recent weeks and obviously last Sunday was very good, the run defense is still questionable that's the area where they especially need help so yeah i'm all for it let's see what he can do if he is the 53rd and he doesn't play okay but i expect us to win on sunday versus the bears have the number one seed it's gonna be cold as a motherfucker in green bay in january and people are gonna have to run the ball they're gonna have to play differently and maybe that's where we get some something out of out of damon harrison out of snacks harrison so We'll see. Oh, I forgot this. I know you didn't get a chance to look at the notes because I was typing them up like as I as I was talking to you. Shout out to Stefan Diggs, who won me my fantasy league. This <laughs> not my not my league. I'm in the finals right now because of Stefan Diggs. He went bananas against New England. He had I needed him to have fifteen points and he had fifteen on one play. Marcy and I were on a ghost tour in New Orleans and we stopped at a bar because of course in New Orleans, you can't have any kind of tour without alcohol. And I watched Stephon Diggs run for a touchdown. I'm like, there we go. So Dale's <laughs> in the finals. And Marcy's in the consolation, like, fifth or seventh place game. Not that you're letting her know about it, surely. <laughs> I will not edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so shout out to Stephon Diggs. Thanks for winning me this game. And hopefully I will win the league. You know what I did, though, Peter? This is my life. So you, you've, you've come to know me a little bit. Give you some insight here. So Dale was the only one in the fantasy league who did not pay. And because I didn't pay on time, everyone got their money back. And now if I win, I'm going to win exactly zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> because I didn't put my money in in the beginning. My $10 would have got me like 100 or whatever. 
damn. So, so you're, you're like the guy that you that, that does the same lottery numbers every week, but forgets to do it the week those numbers come up. Yes, that's about right. <laughs> Jack's no one that I am going to end up screwing myself out of a big payday when I win. But whatever. All right, let's talk Packers and Titans because this was a statement football game. It was. The, the Packers made a statement on Sunday night. They really did, and, and pretty much all across the board. We'll get to the defense in, in a minute because that was obviously very impressive. But one of the things that impressed me was the ability of the Packers' offense to pretty much play four quarters. And whilst they only put up 14 points in the first half, you still felt the offense was moving the football and playing well in the first half. And then, you know, when they needed to, in the second half, after the, after the Titans closed it to a five-point game, 19-14, when the Packers had to move the ball again, they did. So that's, you know, that's been one of my biggest concerns across the whole season has been this offense disappearing for a quarter or a quarter and a half. And we've talked about it on a number of occasions. So for me, that was a huge plus. And of course, the way that they went about it on on offense, Rodgers, Adams, and then of course, AJ Dillon, exceptional performance, the, the kind of breakout performance that we've all been sitting here all season hoping for praying for, half expecting that it might happen, and finally got the opportunity, and it's great to see. And this was a no-lull game against a good team. You know, you do this against the Lions or the Vikings' bad defense or whoever, and you say, well, it was against Team X, and Team X isn't very good, and this is why you move the ball for four quarters. Now, again, we talked about it previous to this game, that Tennessee's defense isn't great, but their offense is great. And that puts pressure on your offense to have to score more than they score. So it was nice to see them put their foot on the gas. And I felt like they scored 40 and it was another one of those games, kind of like the Vikings game way back in the beginning of the season where you felt like they could have scored it almost at will. Very much so. And the fact that they could do it with a diverse offense, passing and, and running, just it was the cherry on the top of the cake, if you like, the icing on the cake, as, as we would say. All-round excellent performance on, on offense. It was good to see Corey Lindsley back. I think that certainly helped, and I think that will obviously help going forwards. But nearly every position on, on offense, you know, Devontae Adams was... Devontae Adams, as we say, every, every week. Almost every week, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's so difficult, you know, almost back to the days of Sterling Sharp, where you just take it for granted that he's going to have seven or eight or ten catches for 100-something yards, and you do take it for granted. If, if he has a game that was less than 100 yards, it's like, what's wrong with Devontae Adams kind of thing? And it's, you know, he's having an incredible season, considering, you know, he's, he missed a couple of games as well. He's in line for getting close to or breaking the Packers' single-season records in receptions, touchdown receptions, and potentially yards. That would be the most difficult one because he's nearly 200 yards short of that. Over 14 games, it's been an incredible, incredible season for Adam. I love that Lazard always puts the crown on him, and I saw that he had a crown on the sidelines. I love that about this Packers team, that they are happy for each other at every spot. And I think, and I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago about Tanyan and his records, possible records or whatever. I am 100% sure Devontae Adams will get his four catches and yep. break Sterling Sharp's record. That's going to happen whether the Packers try it or not. He needs two touchdowns to break the record. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. He'll get that. I think Rodgers will make sure he gets that. I think that's tied into they really like each other and they all want each other to succeed. So I don't know. Does Tanyan catch two touchdowns and Adams catches two touchdowns? 
Well, well, yes, I hope that, that happens. That would be nice. Throw in another couple of rushing touchdowns on top of that, and the Packers are nearing 50 points. You know, so that's... <laughs> right. Seems like a recipe for success. Let's do yeah. that. And that's just the first half. <laughs> so, we can, so we can just cruise through. What was it, 42 nothing that against the Bears at half? That, I can't Something remember. like that, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Threw, yeah, because Rogers threw six touchdowns in the first half, I believe, in that game. Yeah, Tanyan gets two touchdowns and Adams gets two touchdowns. I'm going to win because I have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback in fantasy, <laughs> and I have Robert Tanyan as my tight end. So if he catches his two touchdowns, that would be fantastic. <laughs> would love that. Going back to Adams, though, he had, what, seven catches for 89 yards two weeks ago against yeah. Carolina and right. You're like, really? He didn't get to his 100 yards? Like, that's horrible. Yeah. Seven catches, 100 <laughs> yards, and a touchdown. Like, most guys would be just ecstatic. That's a bad game for him. It just is. But it's not a bad game. It's just a yeah. bad game for him. The Packers ran 37 times in this game. 37. That's crazy. They had more rushes than Tennessee, which I would never have guessed. Yeah. And despite Tim Boyle running for another negative three yards in this game. <laughs> they ran 37 times for 234 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. And as an aside, Tim Boyle is clearly making sure that he owns that all-time record for fewest rushing yards in Packers history. He's Minus. still, though, only trying to get the negative one yards. He stopped <laughs> trying to run forward. Now he kind of steps. He's going to get stepped on by Lindsley if he's not careful at the end of this Bears game. Well, you know what's going to happen, though? Maybe perhaps even this week, if things go well, he'll come in for the fourth quarter and he'll have a scramble for 18 yards and that'll take him off the bottom of the list. But, um... I said that on Twitter, Peter. He's going to do that. If he gets in this game, it is 100% guaranteed that he is going to try to be Lamar Jackson. He is going to run for at least 13 yards to get to the zero mark. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see the Packers run the ball that many times as successful, you know, successfully. You just felt certainly every time that, Dylan touched the ball. Well, you just knew that he was going to make positive yards because even when he's tackled, he falls forward for what seems like about 10 yards every every yes. time. And he doesn't so much break tackle as he destroys the guy trying to tackle him. You know, he demonstrated on a couple of plays that he was certainly quicker on his feet than a normal guy at 250-odd pounds. Nothing but good things to say about him. And he caught a couple of passes as well. I know that one was wiped out by a penalty. An all-round solid, well, solid isn't the word, all-round very fine performance on the ground for the Packers. Aaron Jones was Aaron Jones. Long may that ability to run the football continue. It was interesting, you, I saw you put it on Twitter, that if you would have scored on that play, that would have been reviewed and it would probably yeah. would have only been about a 15-yard run. Yeah, it just suddenly occurred to me that as I watched the game for the third time, because I'm that sad. Yeah, I mean, that play obviously, obviously should have come back and would have come back had he scored, but hey-ho. Ref was obviously confused by the snow and every and everything else. And I was it looked, like a, it looked like a touchdown to me, and that was good. Well, it looked like he wasn't out of bounds to me <laughs> with my eyesight, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that was really an interesting thing because I'm like, wow, I think it was kind of clear that he stood out, and the official yeah. was right, yeah, right there. there. But I think the way they had that plow, that sideline, he was a little bit confused by the whole thing. Yeah, but whatever. And they didn't challenge it either. It's funny the Packers were like ran to the line of scrimmage, snapped the ball. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. And the thing that made me chuckle about that whole whole thing, I don't know whether you saw this right at the beginning of the game when the, the, the Titans kicked the opening kickoff out of bounds and the Packers got the ball at the 40. And, and the officials couldn't find the 40-yard line to put, to put the ball down. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I did not notice that. Yeah. So some people may have missed this, but all of the numbers that you saw on the TV screen for the yard lines were superimposed by TV. So none of the yard line numbers were actually there to be seen on the field. They were covered in snow. And it was a strange thing because they kicked out bounds and the door Rogers running out and they put his stats up and then nothing happened. And it was because the refs couldn't find the 40-yard line to put the ball down. They couldn't see that superimposed technology. On... They're like, why can't they find it? Look at all, how bright the yellow line is, too. The yellow yeah. line was brighter than normal. Yeah I, does, yeah, I mean, that's funny. I always expect somebody to trip over that yellow line. but It's funny how many people say, like, oh, I went to the Packer game, and I didn't know that there wasn't a yellow line on the field. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, you go back and watch those games from the 80s and 90s before that yellow line was there. And it's odd. It's yeah. odd now when it's not there. I've beat up on officials before, but if you ever watch a game and watch like how well officials spot the ball, I mean, most of the time they're within like six inches of where it actually was. And they're coming from like behind the play or in yeah. front of the play. Rarely are they parallel with wherever the ball is. And they I'm always amazed, like, wow, that was a really good spot. And when they mess it up by the three inches, the whole nation goes bananas because they missed well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, you just think of that, that judge. Jones was clearly out of bounds. But you think of that judge, he's running backwards. And then he's got some point turn to try and keep up with Aaron Jones, who's running yeah. a 4 four forty. <laughs> you know, the poor judge is, you know, I, I don't know, older than me, probably. And, you know, right. probably slower than me and that's saying something he's got to, you know he's got to, he's got to, he's got to leg it down the sideline trying to keep up with it with right him. and watch Aaron Jones feet and all <laughs> yeah. the other things and maybe yeah. there's a guy that's going to block in the back and there's all there's a million things they do yeah. officials do an amazing job and I beat up on them sometimes and now with like instant replay and the amount of super slow-mo they have to do to see if it wasn't a catch or it yeah. was I think it makes it even more apparent that officials do crazy good work. They really do. Yeah. Anyway, I totally digress. A.J. Dillon was awesome in this game. He's built for cold weather. Yeah. He is a huge man, and he does have nifty feet. I think it was the 30-yard touchdown. That ball was supposed to go through the center guard hole, but they all collapsed down that way. He made a couple steps, and there was nobody there but, what, the safety maybe. It was really nice vision and feet by Dillon. You don't expect that out of a guy that big. Yeah. I hope that Dylan gets a couple carries in the playoffs when they need to just run over dudes. He has 45 carries right now, and I said the over-under was 50, so I'm going to be wrong again for the first time in my life. I'm going to make a mistake, and he's going to go over 50 this week because I don't think Jamal Williams is going to be back. What else? Devontae Adams was good. Aaron Jones had that 59-yard run. You know, you've said it a million times. They can, he can have nine carries for 18 yards, and all of a sudden he's got 10 carries for 90 yards. Yeah. And that's why Aaron Jones is so valuable. Any bad stuff? Any negatives that you saw in this game? Not really so much on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Wagner went down with an injury, but he was at practice today. I haven't seen the official injury report, but they were reporting he was at practice. He was dressed, but wasn't participating or at least wasn't participating in the bit that the reporters were at. So that's at least encouraging. It looks like it's less of an injury than it appeared it, it might be. You need that guy, certainly going into the playoffs. 
because that gives you the flexibility across the line. If you do suffer an injury somewhere, you can bring him in, move Billy Turner around, etc., etc. I guess Sternberger was out again with his concussion, but he was at practice today, so he clearly must have cleared the, the protocol now, which is which is good news. Other than those two kind of minor injury things, I can't think of any any real negatives on on offense. Rogers threw an interception, but it didn't matter at that point in the game barring some complete collapse he surely must be the league mvp this year and he owns the bears so he's probably going to have a pretty good game this week against the bears too it is not likely that he's going to hit 50 touchdowns but he could and if he hits 50 touchdowns that's it that's got to be it i know you had talked about peter and i don't know if you looked this up his quarterback rating in 2011 was like 121 Yeah, 122.1, something like that. Okay, and I know he was just behind that now. I did not look it up before we started talking, but he had his rating last week was 128. Yeah, he's at 119 point something. So it doesn't look like he'll break that mark, but I think the 119 is the third highest in league history. So he's going to end up either second or third, barring him throwing six interceptions or something on Sunday, which won't happen. And I shouldn't even say that. Right. Um, it, as we said last week, to me, it's just a performance that I just did not see coming. Touchdown passes, the yards, the lack of interceptions. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier with the other guys, with Adams and Lazard. Rogers just seems a lot more happier, a lot happier this year. You see him smiling and laughing. And, and we haven't really seen that for a few years out of him and um and i know that you know winning kind of breeds that but they've had winning teams in in the past where he still hasn't seemed happy and he seems to be really happy and content and long may that continue beyond winning happiness right winning can disguise all kinds of crazy shit going on in your locker room but it doesn't seem like that this is happiness regardless of the winning and the winning helps no question about it yeah i don't think it has 100% to do with the winning. They genuinely like being in the locker room together and winning together. Todd and I talked about it way, way back. And we said angry Aaron Rodgers would be great this year because it could take us to a Super Bowl. But we've got happy Aaron Rodgers, and that's taking us close. So if he takes us to a Super Bowl, guess I don't care. Happy or angry, I love the way he's playing. We're blessed to watch this man game after game after game. We really are, and we've been blessed for a generation. And none of us could have, 25 years ago, whenever, 30 years ago, I guess now, none of us could ever have imagined that we would see this level of play, not just over a 30-year period, but over a one- or two-year period. We thought Don Mikowski was the second coming of Jesus. And he sucked. (laughs) He was good for one and a half years or whatever. And we thought that was the greatest thing since sliced cheese. So, yeah. Who would have thought that? I'm going to nitpick a negative right here because I have Tanya on my fantasy team. He only caught one ball for 17 yards last week. It didn't matter because I still won, but Bob, (laughs) next week, you better come up. I need you to come up next week so I can win my $0 in a fantasy football league title. And you can break the record, which would be awesome. We didn't talk about the defense at all. What are your thoughts on defense? Exceptional. Anytime you hold Derek Henry to under 100 yards, that's a, a really good defense performance. But the way they did it as well, nearly half of his yards he got rushing were kind of after the game was put away. You know, to a degree, they held him to about 50 yards when the game was on the line. And we talked about it before. You just kind of expect, I expect with Henry to, he'll go for three, he'll go for four, he'll go for five, he'll go for four. And then at some point as the game goes on, he'll break one for 35 and then he'll break one for 45 because that seems to be the way it happens. He'll end up with 200 yards rushing, having rushed for 
30 in the first half. But that just didn't happen. And to be able to consistently stop that run, play in, play out, was just, you know, a really, a really fine performance. Chris Barnes, again, really good, solid performance from the inside linebacker spot. The defensive line, Kenny Clark, I thought was exceptional. Rashan Gary, possibly the best game that he's played for the Packers. Not a lot in the normal stat line, but I think he had six quarterback pressures. He was being double teamed and he was still getting his pushing his blockers right back into the into the quarterback. In fact, I think it, he caused one of the interceptions. I think the one that Savage picked off was caused by Gary. Gary was exceptional. And you can look all over that defense. It was an exceptional performance. You know, mentioning Savage's interception, he could have had two. You know, and the second one would probably have been a pick six. But let's not knock him for that. He's, you know, four interceptions in the last five or six weeks. He's come on leaps and bounds, not just his pass defense either. You know, they'll play him up close to the line of scrimmage and he'll come up and make the tackles. He's a physical guy. So really good, you know, and you can go on and on. Jair was Jair. Again, you know, you can't throw much his way. You just can't do it. And it's and they did. They did throw a little they bit. Tried. <laughs> they, they, they tried. You know, they, they, they tried. It's difficult to think of, other than Charles Woodson, who the, obviously the Packers didn't draft, it's difficult to think of a shutdown corner of that standard that the Packers have drafted themselves for for many, many years. And there's been some good ones. Doug Evans and Craig Newsom were good in the Super Bowl years and stuff. But but I reckon probably at least back to Tim Lewis back in the 80s was probably the best corner in that period and probably Willie Buchanan before that. So there's probably not another one in in that whole period. Remember Um, when the Packers drafted Terrell Buckley, they thought that was going to be their guy. I cannot think of any. I was trying to rack my very small brain. You know, there's been some Solid ones, like I say, that you know, the Doug Evans and, and Mark Lee was a solid corner for a lot of years, but not at this level. Definitely not at this level, and and it's he's only in his what third season. Yeah, so fantastic to see, and you know, you can speak almost superlatively, if that's a word. It is now. It is now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, about the whole of the defense, pretty much on Sunday, it's really difficult to find too much wrong with it even Christian Kirksey came up with an interception and a sack obviously he's been listening to us and decided (laughs) we motivate him (laughs) he only had one tackle other than the sack and the pick though so he's only motivated to us (laughs) you're welcome Christian it's difficult to think of a better defensive performance And, and, and you mentioned the Titans came into that game as the number one scoring offense in the league and I think were they number two overall I think coming in and you held that team to 14 points. That's it. That's everything. Derrick Henry's longest run was 10 yards. And I was going to say that too. I wrote it in the notes. Most of his yards came when the game was already over. So at that point, I was like, okay. And I get why Tennessee continues to run, and we talked yeah, about it. Too. He can run for 70 yeah. in the same amount of time you throw it for 70. Yeah. And Ryan Tannehill is a decent quarterback. He was definitely affected by, one, the pass rush, which was really good. You look at Rashawn Gary, if you look at it on any statistics, and you're like, huh, no sacks, no quarterback hits, but he was always there. He was, and I know that they had some backups on their line, but he abused those guys the entire game. The Packers' defensive line played the best game they've played this season in, in a very big spot. I mean, these are grown-ass men. You know what I mean? Like, they hear it, too. I don't care what anybody says. They listen to, to talk radio or they read the stuff about them and they keep hearing how we can't stop the run. You can't get away from it. If the Average Cheese podcast is talking about you can't stop the run, <laughs> then, well, they're, 
There are bigger media outlets who are. <laughs> well, they tune in. They tune into you every week, Dale. I know that. Yeah. I know that they do. And, yeah. and you've managed to turn Mike Petten into a defensive guru. Well, um, it's, and, and I know that you've been saying that he is all season anyway. But yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start direct messaging these guys. Just say <laughs> I, I thank you for listening. I appreciate all of you. Keep listening, and we're going to win a Super Bowl this year. How about that? <laughs> Even though I didn't cuss, I'm throwing in there because I was thinking of the cuss word. Um, anyway, yeah, the, the defense was great. It, it's just that simple. They were great in this game. I know the weather helps, and I don't care if the weather helps. The Packers played well. They can slip and fall, too. Knock on wood. I hope they never do it in any game going forward the footing is the same for both sides and they seem to have it figured out and I would not have said that the Packers were a cold weather bad weather team but they were in this game yeah and if I know I saw some stuff on uh, coach Lafleur was saying that we practice in this we live in this and we're okay let's go then if that's your advantage let's play home games Chicago may practice in it too, but they suck, so it's not going to matter. <laughs> I think that's it about the defense. Rashawn Gary, I'm buying Tyler Rashawn Gary jersey. That or I'm going to ask him to bring his Clay Matthew jersey and like send it to me and I'll clip all the letters <laughs> off. <laughs> One or the other. That'll work. He's getting a 52 jersey no matter what. I am disappointed that Todd is not going to have to physically have to eat his words because unless Rashawn Gary, I think, has like six sacks in this game, He's not going to get to the 10 that Todd said he needed to have, you know, to eat his own words. But so let's talk a little bit about the oh, – wait a minute. So the special teams. Yeah. I'm now going to just blame Sean Menenga. Is that his name? Yeah. For anything that happens on special teams. <laughs> and since Mason Crosby had a kick blocked in this game, I blame Sean Menenga. I don't blame anyone else. It was not the player's fault. It was his fault. But luckily there was a penalty on this play. So, still perfect. See, those, those excellent officials, he saw that offside. Having watched that play about 12 times, I've still not seen it, but that official saw it first time live. Right. What about? And that angle was never good. Like, they kept showing it, it from the angle, and it was not directly down the line. There's no way to tell. He, he didn't move. He had to have been lined up on the football, even if he wasn't. He was. <laughs> that penalty also took J.K. Scott's tackle off the – <laughs> off the right. stack chart. I mean, oh. poor old JK finally makes a tackle that never happened. Right? And his reaction was just <laughs> hilarious, right? Like, he's so excited. Like, dude, you got blown up on that play. You ended up like three yards back. You didn't really make the tackle. You got <laughs> run the fuck over, and then the guy fell down. But I was in there, JK. See, see, see he, he almost he made me imagine when he made that tackle or stood in the way of the runner or whatever it was of a guy on his first day at wrestling practice. <laughs> Never wrestled before in his life. That's what, yes. it, that's what it reminded me of. I will DM JK Scott if he wants to start practicing with us. He's <laughs> welcome to do that after the season is over. We got a bunch of high school kids that kicked the shit out of him, but it's okay. It'd be good for him. And so both Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott got their nose in there and tried to make tackles on that play. That was your daddy showing you on that play, J.K., your daddy Mason saying you need to stick your face in this thing, and he did. So that was fun. But no tackle. I still, in my mind, J.K., you have one career tackle. No block punts in this game, though. No punts, so they didn't have any block punts. No big returns because they never punted the football. Yeah, no punts, no penalties. Yeah. 
which is apparently, if this is to be believed, the first time in NFL history that's happened. Can the Packers do that for a couple more weeks? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm down with that. They can continue to do that. Let's talk a little bit about the Bears. I think this is a trickier game than it looked a month ago. Despite the Packers' very fine performance last week and, and the way the Packers' defense has picked it up over the last few weeks, the Bears have picked it up over the last few weeks as well, somehow. It's like all division games, isn't it? None of them ever appear to be easy on paper, and going into Soldier Field is not easy, despite the excellent record that the Packers have had over the last 30 years. It's not easy. This is a Bears team that's on a roll. It really concerns me. And I, and I think one of the biggest things that concerns me is the ability of Mitch Trubisky to run. Yeah, he'll throw for a couple of hundred yards, but you don't feel like he's going to kill you with his passing ability. In fact, the more he passes, the better, because you know eventually he's going to put one or two up for grabs. But his ability to run is what scares me. So I think this is a more difficult game than I think many imagine. Mitch Trubisky and his mobility is what makes him more valuable than Nick Foles. I thought that Nick Bowles was going to be great this year and first mistake of my life. You know, he's not. Nick Bowles has not been good. Mitch Trubisky, while he isn't great, he does offer you that. You get out of your lane while you're rushing the quarterback, and he will pull it down, and he's a pretty good runner for a quarterback. I mean, Ryan Tannehill ran for a fucking, like, (laughs) 80-yard touchdown in this last game. Mitch Trubisky is better with his feet than Ryan Tannehill, so it's a concern. For sure. If I was the the Bears scheming this game, you know, I'd have a lot of quarterback runs in there. Yeah. A lot of bootlegs and all of that kind of and all of that kind of thing. I think if the Bears are forced to pass more than twenty five times, twenty, twenty five times in this game, then they're not gonna win. If they're passing less than that and staying in the game, then then they've got a shot because I, I do believe that Trubisky is difficult to contain with his with his legs. I think that Montgomery's a, a decent back. You know, he's not Aaron Jones, but he's just gone over the 1,000 yards rushing for the season, and there aren't many of those in the league. And he's a good receiver as well out of the backfield. So I think this is a team that, whilst offensively, I think it's down in the 20s in, o- in overall ranking, they've been playing better than that over the last few weeks. And to a degree, what you've got is two hot teams, different degrees of hotness, I would say, but you've still got two hot teams coming into this game. Yeah, and I kind of beat up on David Montgomery before the season because he just seemed to not have it. Like, he hadn't had a great season. But he absolutely destroyed the Vikings a couple weeks ago. Like, single-handedly, they could have just handed the ball to him over and over and over again, and they were not going to be able to stop him. I don't want to call it a breakout game because he's been good before this, but I felt like that was like, okay, we need to hand this man the football. We need to be balanced. We cannot have Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball all over because exactly what you said. He's going to make a poor decision here and there. He's going to have some nice passes. He's going to dink and dunk and throw some nice medium-range passes. And then he's going to do something stupid. That is almost 100% guarantee in game. I was watching that Viking game. He threw in a, like, quadruple coverage. I think they actually were – I don't know what five is. Quintuple? Quintuple? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, let's just That's say it is. Anyway. They threw into a lot of guys. Like, how is it even possible to throw into five guys? There's only 11 guys on the field. <laughs> uh, yes, he threw it. There were five guys around his receiver. He still threw Like, I'm going to somehow throw this through these five guys. And Anyway, he makes a lot of bad decisions. But the Bears have good players. Allen Robinson is a good player. He is. David Montgomery is a good player. 
They've got guys that can play. Corderell Patterson? What is his name? Corder- yeah, Corderell Patterson. So he's he's kind of a all-round kind of guy. I want to he'll, he'll run a bit out of the backfield. I, I guess he's really a wide receiver these days, but, but you know, we'll run a bit out of the backfield. And, of course, he's an excellent return guy. And with the Packers special teams the way it is, you know, we, we again, we, we want to be kicking that ball out of bounds if we have to punt, you know? Yeah. And kick, you know, squib it, do whatever. If you can yeah. get it past the line like we talked about, then do that. And I love Khalil Mack. I'm just going to say it. I'm a yeah, and, fan yeah, and, of Khalil Mack. And defensively, whilst, you know, they're now the 11th ranked defense in the league, so they've dropped, they've dropped a bit. This is a, a solid defense, a good defense. And Mack is an excellent player, double teamed nearly on every, every play, which is why his, his sack numbers aren't as high as some others. But, you know, we can't fool ourselves. He's one of the premier edge <laughs> guys in the league. Roquan Smith, the inside linebacker, is a fine player. And he's good both against the run and the pass. Super speed, you know, mobile. He was, you know, really good backer in Georgia and just just an excellent, excellent inside linebacker. And, you know, the secondary, Kyle Fuller at one corner, you know, is the guy the Packers tried to sign two or three years ago. Eddie Jackson at safety. Good players all over that defense. I believe that Akeem Hicks is coming back this week. Okay. He didn't um, play the first time against the Packers, so... Right, and so the hope is that, you know, he won't be at 100%, 100% his first game back. But, you know, there's good players all over that defense. So the Bears are a solid football team. I guess that when they've had to, to win, they've find, found ways to lose. That's kind of been the Bears' trait over, over a number of years. But I think this is a really tough game for the Packers. Not only is there a playoff game on the line, like their playoff spot on the line... If you look at the Bears, and I don't know why I did, but their defense, like, they're not – they're a very old team. Yeah. They have a lot of older guys. Like, Roquan Smith is, I don't know, 24 years old. He's a great player. And he's going to be a great player for a bunch of years. But if you look down their line, like, they've got guys 29, 30, 31. Like, I don't want to call it a last hurrah for a lot of these guys – but they're going to have to do some things next year, too, to make cap space. Yeah. This is almost, I don't I guess it is a last hurrah for some of these guys because they may not be on the Bears roster next year. So we'll see. I'm confident against the Bears, but they're not a bad football team. They played poorly, like badly in games. Yeah. They have players. So anything else before I go on to predictions? and MVP? I, I, I can't think of anything we haven't covered. All right. Any history stuff you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we, we did a little bit on when we played the Bears the first time. You know, the Packers won that game, so the Packers are now, um, I can't remember off the top of my heart, 100, 100 wins in that series, 195 and 6. So the Packers are five games up in the series, which is incredible thinking that they were 22 games, I think it was, behind in the series, not what, what seems like not so long ago. And, you know, lots of great games across the whole of the series. First game that always springs to my mind for some strange reason is Chester Markle sprinting. <laughs> right? Thank you for remembering that. Sprinting down the field. Yeah, with the ball above his head like girl you're from <laughs> Um but yeah, lots lots of great games in the series and the, you know, as we said before, the Packers have been the kings of that series for the last three decades and it's the great series and it's the great storied series in the in the history of the NFL whichever era you look at. And I think it's the one, it's the one series that just, for me, just harps back to the, to the good old days, you know, when I was standing on the sideline with Curly Lambeau and, and lots of players have played for both teams. I guess Jimmy Graham being the latest. Right. They can um, handle it. 
But yeah, lots of players have played for both teams. But Jason Spriggs too. Jason Spriggs was on that team. I don't know if he's still on the roster, but I think he played left tackle for them. He did, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know your fucking your offensive line is really in bad shape when Jason Spriggs is playing for you in a regular season game. You know, I don't know why I thought of this because I was thinking about like I want to talk about some history, but I can't remember anything, so I can't really. But I remember like the games in the eighties, the Forrest Gregg led Packers, yeah. and how dirty those games got. They hated each other during that time. Forrest Gregg hated the Bears, right? Because he was a former Packer. Yeah. But Ditka also hated the Packers yeah. equally, yeah. I think. And you go back and watch that stuff. And, of course, everybody remembers the Charles Martin. Yeah, slamming um, McMahon. On Jim McMahon. You know, you remember Ken Stills, Kenny Stills, almost knocking out Matt Suey. Matt Suey. About, yeah, yeah, about 20 seconds after the whistle had gone. And they were almost heading back to the huddle at that point. Right. Uh, and wasn't it Su- – uh, I think it might have been the same game – were like they ended up on the bench, like so that was, bench. That, was it Sue? That was Walter, that was Walter Payton and Walter Mark Payton. Lee. Yeah. And and when you watch that, what's funny about that is because Lee got thrown out for that. But when you watch that, that was, was all Payton. It was Payton. He dragged Lee over the bench, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he was Walter Payton, and he was Mark Lee, so not the same stratosphere. So. <laughs> but you know that that rivalry goes back. You know the the great days of in the early 30s, Clark Hinkle on one side and Bronco Nagurski on the other side, knocking each other out. I believe, I'm not 100% certain on this, but I believe that the first players ever thrown out of a game in NFL history happened in the Bears uh, Packers. Packers <laughs> of course game. they did. That's how it should be. Didn't George Hallis like help the Packers out financially or something Yeah, he, to keep them yeah, viable? He did. He, he did. It, and it depends on which story you believe so so when because the packers lost the franchise they were thrown out of the league in 22 or 23 for playing college players and i did not know every, that yeah and every team was doing it but the packers got caught it depends on whose story you believe and i, and I know that some of the official packers stories cliff crystal doesn't believe this to be true, but certainly it's been printed in a number of places that it was George Hallis that dobbed the Packers in for playing these four. I think they, I think they were four guys from Notre Dame, if I'm not right. Played under assumed names, and the Packers got thrown out and lost the franchise, and they had to go and rebuy the franchise. But yeah, Hallis certainly did help the Packers financially, and actually was a great supporter of the Packers, particularly in the later years. So him and Lambeau didn't get on, but Lombardi and Hallis got on got on really well. But there's so much in that history. There's so, you know, injuries, guys playing with blood all over them. Like I say, guys getting thrown out of the games. And you can kind of try and imagine some of those early games in your head where games were ending 2 nothing, or even tied at zero, you know, and you can imagine the fields that they were playing on mud and snow almost impossible to run on and there were games back then when when teams were punting like 14 or 16 times in a game mainly because field position was the key thing and you would punt and just hope that the other team turned the ball over deep in deep in their own territory you know they would even punt on second or third down they wouldn't wait for fourth down to punt just get rid of it we can't move the ball anyway, so let's just... <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, a, a different game. And to a degree, it surprises me that nobody's come up with the idea of making a film somewhere around the Packers-Bears 
game somewhere in the 1920s, even the early 1930s, because there's so many Johnny Bloods, those kind of guys that you could throw in there, great characters, that there's absolutely a, a film in there somewhere. Maybe that's a job for us in the off season to write the script. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I, will, I will have to hire that out to someone who can actually write good sentences, but I think that's a good idea. I'll be there to critique it. That'll, that'll be my job. Just, just get the swear jar ready. Yeah. I got to start draining the st- square jar. I am really struggling to speak today. The swear jar, I don't know how many are in it because I didn't empty it before, la- before this time. So I don't know me here and there. I have to listen to the show while I'm editing it and like tally mark my cuss words so I know how many there were this week. All right, so let's finish this off. What's your prediction for Sunday versus the Bears? I've got a bad vibe about this. I said last week that they were going to lose. And, and, and no, no real reason for it other than the law of averages says to me there's going to be a game against the Bears where somehow they squeak one out when they have to have it. And they just haven't been able to for many, many years. I think the Bears win this game 21-20. Wow. That's a low score. I think that's how they would have to win it. It would have to be some craziness. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I'm obviously hoping that the Packers win 45-7 or something like that. But I... Yeah. But, yeah, I thought we were going to lose last week, 31-28. <laughs> and when we were blowing them out at halftime, I'm like, yep, this is exactly how I expected this game to go. And you've said that on the Twitters. Okay, so 21-20 Bears. All right. I don't think it's going to go that way. I do think that the Bears are a better team than their 8-7 and seven record. I think that they have better talent, I should say, than their 8-7 and seven record. I do not think they're a better team. Aaron Rodgers has owned the Bears through his entire career, and I think that will continue. I think that the Packers will break records in this game. I hope that Tanyan and Adams both break records, and if Rodgers could get his four touchdowns, that would put him at 50. I think the Packers blow them out. I think it's probably 38-17 Packers. That would be good. All right. So unless you got other things, I think that's, that's it. That's it. It's still dark outside. <laughs> it's 1.09 a.m. for you. I love you for that. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 27. We appreciate everyone that listens to our 464 Twitter followers and all the people that follow us on Facebook, like all 19 of you. We appreciate you too. And go Pack Go.